Hello, everybody, and welcome to August. I mean, welcome to the Find Your Model Health podcast, the official podcast of Shemaine's Model Health for those looking to optimize their long-term health and weight goals and understand how their body really works. So yeah, it's August. The last I recorded a podcast was in July. Time is flying. Um, Not that I'm complaining. I'm enjoying the summer. I'm totally ready for kids to get back to school. Don't judge me, but I am. So um, I hope you're all keeping really well. It's a beautiful day here. And this week, I'm excited for these podcasts. And I'll say podcasts because this is going to be a two-part series. As a follow-up to last week's podcast or the last podcast I did on insomnia, these are going to be the first podcast because I that I go really in depth on biohacking and biohacking your sleep and what really go in depth on the protocols I do and what I recommend and what you can do. I've done podcasts in the past on sleep, but these ones are going to be more in depth. So a little bit longer, but a lot of information. Podcasts, of course, they're yours forever. You can rewind, replay them as many times as you want, take notes. Um, But I really am passionate about this topic especially in the summer because the summer is when I sleep my worst Um, with the heat and having the windows open that external noises the lighting coming in just the whole lot it just messes me up and I've noticed it messes a lot of people up Um, so I really want to go through this in depth properly and hopefully kind of highlight the do's and don'ts Um, of sleep and pretty much how to biohack your sleep. So before I must emphasize that the information in these podcasts is not to be taken as medical advice and should be taken for informational purposes only. Please do consult with your medical practitioner before you start implementing any new supplements or anything like that. Okay, so moving on. This if if I had a dollar for the amount of times I had someone say to me I can't believe how good I feel after sleep or I can't believe that sleep was all I needed I would probably be able to shut up shop shut up shop yeah but I don't have a dollar so I'm going to keep the shop open and we're going to keep with these podcasts going so many people have issues with sleep and I don't think they recognize they have issues with sleep. I recognize when I have an issue with sleep. In the summer, like I said, having the window open, the external noises, even though I have blackout blinds and I live in a fairly quiet neighborhood, those tiny noises and that tiny glimmer of light coming off the street lamps and everything, it just it just throws me off my whole rhythm. 
And there is plenty of evidence to support that we need sleep, that sleep is one of our top priorities. Um, Sleep, so what is sleep? So sleep is an anabolic state during which the body replenishes its energy stores, regenerates tissues and produces proteins. So sleep is very much that anabolic state where we grow and we repair and we become stronger and we become more resilient. And that is on every level, not just when you think of an anabolic state of stronger muscles and stronger tissues, but also stronger brain and stronger immune system. And I want you to take that away. Sleep has a big connection with your immune system and the strength of your immune system. Without enough sleep, the human body cannot function properly. And there are there are those few people that have the specific gene variation that allows them to perfectly function on like four hours of sleep a night. So there is that group of people, but the majority of us don't have that gene. And when we don't get that optimal sleep that our body needs, we are messed up. I've spoke about it so many times that when, for me personally, when I don't get a good night's sleep, I get a temperature, I get inflamed, I get super cranky, I can't think straight, I laugh and I say to my clients, I swear even my teeth and my eyeballs are inflamed I just am totally thrown off so it's important to recognize your biomarkers what connects with you when you don't get a good night's sleep so and understanding how the body works on a biochemical process is or the biochemical systems that happen as well is very important so staying up late releases cortisol which is known to increase the production of cell signaling molecules like cytokines. So there are anti-inflammatory inflammation markers. So sleep deprivation causes unhealthy changes in those inflammation markers. Also our immune system, like I mentioned, um, we see that we get changes in white blood cells. Studies show um, that those markers of inflammation, um, so those cytokines, those those inflammatory proteins, they increase C-reactive protein on a blood panel. So if you had some shitty night's sleep and you got a blood panel taken for even a few days after that, you may still see an increase in your CRP, so your C-reactive proteins. So sleep deprivation has also been shown to raise systolic blood pressure, uh, increase hunger and cravings, the consumption of fat and sugar energy foods. And I always remind my clients, this is because your brain is like super smart. Your brain is in survival mode. When you're exhausted, your brain is like, hey, I need energy. I need energy quick. And I know that you have hidden food around this house and we're going to go get it. So before you even know it, you're, you've already got sugar in your mouth. Like you're self-control is a lot lower than when you have had a good night's sleep. Chronic sleep deprivation also leads to insulin resistance, even in young people. So even in kids, lack of sleep has been shown to be a predictor of weight gain. Um, And I do have studies. If anyone wants to see studies, just hit me up and I will send you out the studies. 
And of course, um, I mean, I ho- I think we've all heard this. I know I've heard it that um, there's a higher correlation of traffic accidents from people with lack of sleep than there is anything else. Um, then you've got that increased likelihood of type 2 diabetes, mental illnesses such as depression, uh, seasonal flus are more in more common in people that have poor sleep. Again, that's that immune system and cardiovascular diseases. So that then would come back to not only the inflammation but the increased consumption of fats and sugars and i'm just going to throw when i say fats it's just all fats okay i'm not going to be differentiating between good fats and bad fats but um when we look at cardiovascular disease we are looking at those bad fats and sugars and inflammation but okay just to clear that up we also need to recognize that sleeping problems have increased in conjunction with us being more sedentary in our lifestyles, so sitting more and our increased usage of electronic devices and working on laptops and playing the Xbox and maybe not getting outdoors as much. And this may not connect with a lot of people here in Alberta and across Canada because I do believe that in summer especially and even in winter, we're probably not as sedentary as um, some other countries maybe. And I'll say we're now because technically... I could be called Canadian now. I've been here for five years, so I consider myself almost Canadian. Um, but you have to take all of that into consideration. So you got the lack of sleep and other environmental factors to take into consideration. So there was one study done by the National Sleep Foundation in 2011 that showed that 63% of Americans say they do not sleep enough during the week. So about 15% of adults between 19 and 64 say they sleep less than six hours on weeknights. Like that sentence alone gives me heart attack because I can't even function on anything less than seven and a half hours. The study also showed that 90% use, sorry, 95% use some type of electronics like a television, a computer, a video game, cell phone, iPad, um, at least a few nights a week within the hour before bedtime i speak to my clients all the time tracy if you're listening we had this conversation yesterday i have no electronics in my room whatsoever sweet and it's always in airplane mode otherwise there's zero electronics in my room at all uh the same for my kids they don't have tvs in their rooms we've only one tv in the whole house so i it's something i'm very passionate about and i don't think people recognize the impact impact that blue light has in the evening so my clients all have an evening routine that they follow part of that is to turn off all electronics before well 9 p.m so like an hour before they're going to bed and most people most of my clients go around 10 at least I hope they do um, and if they are on electronics in the evening I've advised them of putting on night shift on their phone to kind of pull out that blue light or maybe they would use um, the Flux software or Iris software or 
blue light blocking glasses or something like that I encourage them to try and dim down their house naturally so maybe use candles or incandescent lights in the evening or if it's summer like now there's no real need for you to use artificial lighting in the evenings because we've got that kind of natural dimness happening as the sun goes down artificial light exposure we know can disrupt sleep by suppressing the release of melatonin so melatonin is more like it it kind of can help us go to sleep but it's more relaxing and helps us get into deep quality sleep now if artificial lights so leds and blue lights suppress melatonin along the lines of fat loss because i know that's a big thing for people nowadays and it is the majority of people are either looking to maintain or lose some sort of fat when we don't have enough melatonin we see that we have an increase in hunger and we have a suppression of those satiety hormones so that's just something for you to think about from a health first perspective which is mine um A sufficient and good sleep at night contributes to a whole heap of things. Now, I'm not rambling on, so this is where I want to go with this podcast. Contributes to better mental clarity, better brain performance, better physical performance, um, when we have better cognitive performance, this is why I created the brain guide. I'm a big believer that if your brain is working optimally, then you are better and more equipped at making good choices, be that food choices or movement choices, maybe not talking yourself out of going to the gym, maybe not trying to convince yourself that you deserve a treat later on in the evening because you had a good day, or maybe not convincing yourself it's just this one cupcake, so we have more awareness we have better moods we are stronger and more resilient we have a better ability for handling stress too um skin quality can be better our ability to learn new things our ability to have more patience with our husbands or our spouses and our kids and any idiots we may come across during the day and our general overall well-being and our ability to maintain that well-being all of this is better when we have had good sufficient quality sleep and it just gets better like a good tonic it just keeps getting better the more we can make those good sleeps consistent so it is kind of common knowledge that most adults need seven to eight hours sleep so you may not know but most kids and teenagers need more so they average around 10 hours sleep some teenagers can need 12 14 hours sleep depending on their physical activity during the day so if your teen is maybe in the gym trying to grow muscles or they're athletic or something 
they may actually need a lot more sleep because they're growing at such a fast rate and there's so much happening remember that's when we sleep we're in our anabolic phase so if they're training let's say in the gym because they want to get buff and they're going through their growth phase of 14 15 16 17 even 18 years old they have a whole lot going on so they're already grown at a fast pace plus now they're pushing their body to grow even faster by training so got to take that all into consideration so as much as they annoy us by staying in bed for so long a lot of it is out of their control they can't control it their body needs that their body is forcing them to stay in bed um but seven to eight hours sleep is kind of where most of us function um at our best i would say seven and a half to eight hours for me is perfect anything less and i am a shit show there was a systemic review conducted at the University of Warwick, Warwick, which observed that the risk of mortality amongst people who got six hours or less of sleep per night increased by 12%. But also the risk of mortality amongst adults who slept for nine or more hours increased by as much as 30%. So that's sh- kind of highlighting that that sweet spot is those seven to eight hours however sleeping 10 hours is beneficial for those with increased need for sleep so that's your teenagers that's your recovering athletes even even my six-year-old I kind of try to get him to sleep for 10 hours if I can be super quiet in the morning and not wake him up I'm happy with that chronically stressed individuals um, and those that are maybe recovering from an illness as well so that's where those 10 hours can be beneficial the studies also show that like I mentioned earlier there's some people who carry that gene variation that gene is if you were curious if you were going to get any sort of blood paneling or gene testing done that gene that you're looking for is called DEC2 so DEC2 gene and those people can survive on like four hours of sleep a night which is insane to me I think I've even heard David Wolf if you know who David Wolf is say that he gets two hours sleep a night and I'm like are you insane you must be on cocaine like all night and all day how can you survive on two hours but I think I've heard him say that two hours is all he needs and he functions optimally so maybe he's got doubles of that gene variation um so whether or not you know you have the gene variation by looking at your biomarkers and what your body tells you you'll know this is good for me this is not you'll know I feel really good I had this amount of sleep or I feel really good I had six hours and I seem to be functioning fine on that um so all of us are different so that's where it's important to watch those biomarkers so now that we understand what sleep is and how it impacts us and the positives and negatives of it um let's look really quickly at the different stages of sleep so sleep alternates between two phases so you've got your orthodox sleep and your REM sleep a lot of people will have heard of their REM sleep Um, so that's your rapid eye movement sleep 
So the first stage of sleep, um, what we call it in the science world, is your N1 sleep. And that's where you get those theta waves. So that's four to eight hertz. Um, And this is kind of your transitionary phase where you're going from wakefulness to light sleep. Um, And this is where you might change position frequently. And you're kind of you're it's kind of like meditative, you're starting to slowly get into sleep, okay? Um, The second phase or the second stage is N2 and this is what's called sleep spindles and this is 11 to 16 hertz and this is where um, we see more periodic surges in brainwave frequency. So these are the so-called sleep spindles. So if you were to get um, some sort of brain scan done you would be able to see the changes in the frequency here brain activity during the second stage is more active than the first so this is where you can start dreaming in this second stage getting enough stage two sleep has been shown to improve motor skills so just bear that in mind when you're thinking of kids, especially growing toddlers and motor skills. So then we got the third stage, which is where we see our delta waves. And these are zero to eight hertz. So this is where we see the hertz start dropping down again. Um, and this is where we have a period of deep sleep. Our breathing becomes stable. If you were to get a brain scan, like an EEG, your readings would be consistent, slow delta waves. And this is probably my favorite part of sleep. Your muscles at this stage um, are completely relaxed. Your body temperature and your blood pressure has got down where we like it to be for you to get into a good deep sleep. It's in this third stage that production of human growth hormone begins and that regeneration and reparative action starts to happen. So that anabolic phase starts to really kick in here. That again is important for those who maybe are recovering athletes or for teenagers and also those who are looking to be more um, resilient here so then our next stage is going to be our REM sleep so this is where we see alpha and beta waves here now this is a rapid eye movement stage during REM sleep the brain is awake but the rest of the body is asleep so for an I'm thinking, I'm sure many of you have experienced this kind of half awake, half asleep phase, but you can't move, you're paralyzed. So this is this phase. The muscles in the neck and the body are paralyzed to prevent sleepwalking. In some people, sleepwalking still occurs, but during this REM, the eyes are moving that's where you get that rapid eye movement but the body is paralyzed a typical adult has four to five REM stages every night um the first being the shortest and then they get longer the more you have now your REM sleep stage is important this is where we see regeneration of brain cells and brain nerve cells and i've anytime i say this 
my clients get blown away. But when you go asleep, your brain shrinks by up to 60%. This allows your glymphatic system to kick in. So these kind of little sweeper guys to come in and they clean up all the toxins and clean up all the gunk from the day between the brain cells and around everything. Um, and this allows for that regeneration of new brain cells and brain nerve cells too. So tests measuring the effects of sleep deprivation have shown that REM sleep is absolutely indispensable as deprivation leads to irritability, you hear this moms, fatigue, memory loss and reduced capacity for concentration. So it just messes up your cognitive performance. During a typical adult seven to eight hour sleep, we'll see the sleeper moves from stage one to two to three then back again to two and then the sleeper will either wake up or go into REM sleep so and this is the cycle that we'll see going four to five times a night so those people that maybe go from stage one to two to three then back to two again but then they wake up and they might wake up multiple times a night they're not getting into that REM sleep stage so that rapid eye movement stage which is going to have a big effect on their cognitive performance the next day and every other day that follows nights like this and this is where remember I said that if your brain is not getting what it needs, then you're going to have increased cravings, you're going to have a lesser, you are going to have a lack of self-control in regards to making food choices and should I go to the gym and should I do this and can I say no to that chocolate and look there's donuts in the office, I can't say no. So your ability to make good choices is going to be far less than someone who's going through all the stages and not just waking up sporadically throughout the night. So that's something that you want to be aware of. Again, you might want to go back and take some notes on this. But in all, one full cycle, sleep cycle, lasts about 90 minutes. Um, so that's on average. And it's paramount to try maximize all of this as much as possible. So at least getting through three cycles a night is going to be optimal, shall we say. But that's very individual as well. So... Um, when we look at, and this is very important, and I understand this podcast is going on a bit longer, but we still have a little bit to go, and it's super important. So when we look at the circadian rhythm and how that connects to maintaining your energy levels, improving your sleep, and helping you get to your goals, we got to understand... The circadian rhythms are biological processes linked to the cycles of the day. Many bodily functions uh, vary according to these rhythms because all, believe it or not, all our little different body parts, they all have different little clocks attached to them and they all run slightly different. Um, so... Our, the one of the circadian rhythms is going to be our hormonal circadian rhythm, which um, tells our body, hey, this hormone needs to get released at this time of the day and so on and so on. 
Um, but we also have circadian rhythms that help regulate our body temperature, um, our pulse rate, our blood pressure, um, reaction time, how we perform, of course, those hormones. So the release of those hormones being melatonin serotonin and cortisol and then of course they will have connections to sex hormones too um our gut our digestion has the circadian rhythm too um and even our feeding times align with our circadian rhythm and that's super important so human beings have an internal clock that lasts about 25 hours so we have our master clock and then all our little clocks inside us they run at their own speeds as well because if you think they didn't have a rhythm or they didn't have a clock going then everything would just happen at once and nothing would happen properly and lines would get crossed and broken it would be a mess so everything is supposed to happen as it happens so that we can keep order or homeostasis within the body Uh, so our main internal clock lasts about 24 hours and it resets itself daily when it's exposed to sunlight or daylight so this is where i encourage my clients to get out in the sun or get some sun exposure within the first 30 minutes of waking up Um, so light as we know when we look at led and artificial lights has a role in poor health we know that good light has a central role in good health um so very important to understand that getting direct sunlight is going to sync up your circadian rhythm release those hormones properly help you be optimal throughout the day but also help you get a good night's sleep that night too from the whole cascade of events that happens from as soon as you signaling to your body hey it's morning let's get this show on the road and we do that with light so light directly affects melatonin um, which is secreted mostly by our pineal gland during the hours of darkness so if we have light on at nighttime, we're not going to get the secretion of melatonin. And melatonin plays a crucial role in the regulation of our sleep wake cycle. And again, I'm just going to keep slipping this in here our hunger as well. So, very important. Melatonin, it just plays a huge part, huge part, excuse me, in overall well being. Um, In an adult, the production of melatonin starts to decrease or can start to decrease as we get older. Um, It's suspected that this is one of the reasons why older people don't get as much sleep as young people. But if there's ways that you can optimize that through biohacking, then I think go for it. Do whatever you can. So watching out on all this stuff that may impact your melatonin. Um, So... In order to optimize your sleep, it's important to understand how the hormones influence the circadian rhythm, but I don't think we need to go too deep into it. So um, a quick look at cortisol, so your stress hormone, that contributes to sudden wakefulness um, 
in the middle of the night. So sometimes we'll see people who are quite stressed or their body goes into a stress state. Maybe it's dehydrated or it's starving or really hungry. Your cortisol will spike and that will wake them up during the night like really fast. But another thing that can spike cortisol is light. So in the morning when we get that exposure in the first 30 minutes of waking to sunlight, it spikes our cortisol and we're ready to go and we're going to conquer the day and then our cortisol starts to drop as the day goes by and the light goes down and then we've no cortisol and we get into a nice sleep and our melatonin can kick in um so watching again what could inhibit that melatonin cortisol is going to be one of those things so be aware of that Um, and i think it's more important than people like to let on okay so we're nearly finished People who then experience sleeping difficulties, a lot of us kind of turn to prescription pills who may not be so much aware of the health effects of prescription medication, they'll go to them for sleeping pills are at about $1.6 billion in the United States. So $1.6 billion industry on sleeping pills alone, like that's insane. Um, The use of sleeping pills, however, carries a range of risks. Death being one, so an increased in all-cause mortality all cause excuse me mortality has been connected to sleeping pills by up to 20 percent i hate telling people that um then you've also got sleeplessness tiredness memory problems undesirable brain changes and a whole host of other issues that come with sleeping pills but we don't want that we want at least to try the natural stuff first and if you didn't you probably would not be listening to me right now so i'm going to try keep us moving so we're gonna start how do we start biohacking your sleep okay so kind of touched on a bit that sunlight first thing in the morning or getting exposure to sunlight may be a super smart idea. Um, But let's start with the basics. Let's look at your bedroom. So these are some of the biohacks I will tell my clients to do. Um, And I'll run it past them. If I see they're having sleep problems, I'll say, are you doing this? You're doing this, you're doing this. So firstly, We want to have the room as dark as possible. So as dark, dark, dark as possible. As I was saying to Tracy yesterday, even that little one red light that may be on a TV in your room, that can be enough to interrupt sleep. So if you have electronics in your room and they maybe have that little red light or a green light you want to cover them up so even putting a band-aid or a plaster over them or something to cover that light up is going to benefit you uh you're probably saying well my alarm clock is led well throw your alarm clock out and get uh, a different alarm clock that doesn't have lights on it or i will use the alarm on my phone like I said, I charge my phone in airplane mode in my ensuite. There's still a tiny frequency coming off of that, but not a lot. And there's an alarm on my phone and it still works in airplane mode. So there's always a way. There's always going to be a way. 
Um, so as you're getting towards bedtime, you're looking at letting natural light kind of darken things naturally or you can use incandescent bulbs um halogen bulbs i will say candles are okay but obviously be super aware of where you're putting them and safety first salt lamps so dim salt lamps can be effective for giving you some kind of lighting throughout the house in the evening where you're not going to walk into something and break your toe but still it's not going to be enough to interfere with cortisol and melatonin levels i use red light bulbs so i have red light bulbs in our en suites at night so we keep the door closed so the red light's not interfering with my sleep but if i do have to get up during the night to go to the bathroom i can go into the bathroom not crack my foot off something and still not have any blue light or lighting wake me up because you know when you stumble you're you wake up during the night and you're trying not to wake yourself up so you're trying to keep your eyes closed and kind of half feel your way around to the bathroom and you're like I don't want to fully wake up because I want to fall back asleep so this red light can really be helpful um, with that there you do want to look at your bed quality or the ergonomics as well so watch out for bed materials that don't breathe or may induce allergies um chemicals like um, fire retardants or other chemicals that have been sprayed on the mattress so look out for stuff like that when buying a new mattress or a new bed as well now so we're going to have our room as dark as possible we're going to be super smart about how we light up our house now if this is to me this is not extreme stuff if you're really suffering with sleep and it's spilling over into your daily life and your performance and your goals then this stuff is not extreme you can totally darken your room you can use a salt lamp you can buy incandescent light bulbs you can just let the lighting go down naturally as the sunset you can use candles like this is really easy stuff watch your bed materials are breathable as well um cotton everything especially organic cotton or even hemp or even wool that they can be some of your best choices for sleeping at night now sleeping without clothes on can work great for some people um i like night dresses as we call them in Ireland you might call them night slips or whatever I like really loose night nighties night dresses um anything that doesn't have a band on it or a waistband that could block your lymphatic system and kind of cut off circulation a bit so I like people to sleep in really loose fitting clothes where they're not cutting off any sort of blood flow anywhere for some people sleeping without a pillow can be very beneficial i sleep without a pillow i do have pillows on my bed for decoration but at night i throw them off onto the ground um and i find that i get my best sleeps without a pillow when we sleep without a pillow we allow blood flow easily or to flow blood to flow easier into the brain some people that can be very beneficial for some people they may need a small pillow or use a pillow that supports the neck there's a lot of kind of new stuff technology is coming pretty far and understanding kind of the ergonomics and what works best for us when we sleep so we're there are some nice kind of head or neck pillows coming out now that support the neck perfectly and can even prevent you from moving in your sleep so um keep an eye out for stuff like that
sleeping on your back or your right side um, is optimal. Other positions can put stress on your internal organs, but if you suffer from heartburn, sleeping on your left or your back is your better option. Okay, uh, if you're pregnant, then sleeping on your right can be your best option with a pillow between your legs as well. So a lot of um, pregnant ladies will find that's most beneficial for them. So we've looked at keeping your phone and electronics out of your room, but once you've done that you also want to be aware that even the wi-fi in your house could be affecting you so if you're having really bad bad sleep issues then you might want to disconnect the wi-fi at night if you have teenagers they're not going to be impressed but you're like i need my sleep because if i don't get my sleep i'm going to probably kill you so uh, just explain it nicely to them like that some studies suggest that grounding can alleviate insomnia so i do have a load of grounding equipment you can buy grounding mats you can buy grounding rods you can buy grounding sheets that you can put on your bed a grounding mat your feet can rest on that at night or you can put it underneath your body uh, you can get grounding rods that you can attach to your bed if you had like a cast iron bed frame i do like to encourage my clients to ground all the time even in their morning routine so the simplest way to do that is to be walking in the earth with your bare feet as much as possible so that's sand around lakes uh, in your grass in your garden wherever as much as possible so bare feet all the way with that just watch for grasses that may have been sprayed with pesticides or chemicals okay so once we've kind of got our room set up we want to keep the room fresh but cool at the same time so we're setting up this ideal environment so air quality is important research shows that poor indoor air quality affects respiratory organs and can thereby cause sleep problems so we don't want to be breathing recycled air all night so in the summer now we can obviously keep the window open at night we maybe have a fan on we're keeping that air circulating in the winter it can be a little bit more difficult so i encourage my clients to use house plants or use put some nice green plants in the room even aloe vera is going to work wonders snake plant is one of the more popular ones as well and has been shown to help remove toxins from the air too um you can use air filters you can use humidifiers as well i'm not a huge fan of essential oil diffusers in place of humidifiers some essential oils can be relaxing but some can then also have connections to hormonal imbalances like lavender and although we know that lavender can help with sleep put a lavender plant in your room and that's going to be way different than diffusing lavender essential oil okay um so just something to think about there when we look at temperature the temperature of your body drops during sleep so sleeping in a room that is too hot or too cold can make it difficult to sleep like how many of us are saying now in the summer 
oh, I can't sleep in this heat. I'm going to die. I can't sleep. It's, it's because our body's not being allowed to drop into its optimal zone to get into that good sleep because of the external factor. The external environment is too warm. So try your best to keep your room as cool. You'll know yourself. Some people like it really cold and that works for them. I'm a light kind of medium person. Some people like the room hot and they sleep great when it's hot. So we're all individual. So you got to kind of recognize what works for you. But the optimal temperature for most people is 18 to 22 degrees Celsius or that's 64 to 69 degrees Fahrenheit. So if you're really trying to biohack your sleep, you want to keep an eye on that temperature in your room. So even just get a little mercury temperature and put it in your room. Um, So once we have the room set up, we know that we're preparing earlier in the morning, like as soon as we wake up, we're, we're preparing for getting a better sleep that night. So we're getting exposure to sunlight during the day, especially right after waking up. Um, we're trying to spend time in sunlight during the day because that not only does help with our sleep and our hormones and how they all get distributed properly but also it helps with our insulin resistance our vitamin d production our cholesterol all that avoid the use of sunlight sunglasses and i do say this to my clients please don't wear sunglasses for the first kind of quarter of the day or first third i try to say like don't wear sunglasses until after noon or one and then you can wear sunglasses for the whole rest of the day after that i don't care but for the first portion of the day i want to make sure you're getting that blue light off the sun hitting the brain and sending out the correct signal so and we need that to happen through the retina so it's very important Um, then if you're not getting exposure to the sun as some people might be maybe you're saying you work in an office you can get some sort of full spectrum light therapy lamp like a juve light or something like that there are options out there so there's ways when you're driving in the morning you're not wearing sunglasses roll down your window a bit you'll get a bit of sun in there on your lunch break maybe go for a walk outdoors maybe position your office table so that you're facing the window stuff like that Um, then you want to ensure that you're getting regular exercise so at least 20 to 30 minutes of exercise a day helps balance your circadian rhythm and has been shown to significantly improve your sleep quality so that's exercise that's not just your normal movement that is extra exercise as a side note pain in the muscles and the connection tissue has been shown to help or to inhibit some people from getting into a good night's sleep. So if you are very sore, your muscles are sore, you've got a lot of pain going on, maybe you've got a knot in your back or whatever, maybe go see someone and get that sorted out to help with your sleep. Um, And yeah, I think that's most of what I wanted to cover for this part. I did mention the morning routine. 
So I do encourage my clients to get up and get exposure first thing in the morning. I do have them kind of understand that the body's been fasting for the entire night. So your muscles might be tense as a result of kind of being static or stagnant all night but the same as your lymphatic system and your detoxifications they're going to be stagnant because you've just been in the one spot for like eight hours or so so it's important you get everything moving properly and some of the best ways that you can do that are going to be um, hydrate as soon as you wake up so you can just use plain old water or you could use water and lemon juice some people who have chronic stress conditions it may be beneficial to add in half a teaspoon of salt to their waters that will help support the adrenal glands and you want to get that in within the first 30 minutes of waking up so in this weather sit on your balcony get the sun in get your grounding put your feet on the grass and support your adrenals get your hydration with your water and your salt and even your lemon juice um also to get things moving you might look at rebounding so mini trampoline um, a vibration plate even just doing jumping jacks or put on the music and dance that can all increase blood flow and get uh, your lymphatic system moving again so improving circulation and all of these are very very important so we'll leave part one there part two we're going to go more into foods and supplements and teas and stuff and what are the best and what doesn't work and what does work I hope you found this helpful I realize it's really long but I'm sorry it's very important that we do optimize our sleep so please do share with anyone you feel may benefit and of course I hope you'll join me back for part two I really do because I only do these to help you so uh, take notes and I'll catch you then in part two enjoy the rest of your day and chat soon bye